You're listening to the Typical Trends Podcast, where we talk about all things mental health, body image, inclusivity, and making conversations around these topics more typical to have. All right, Lee Healy, welcome to the Typical Ah. Trends Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) So for the people who are listening to my podcast, um, I just want to give a quick overall of you know, who you are, what you do, what you stand for, where you're based out of, because obviously we're on Zoom, so we're not too close to each other. Just a little spiel about if people don't know who who Lee Healy is, just a little, who are you? Well, hi everyone. I'm Lee Healy, otherwise known as Lee Ann Healy. I am someone who loves embracing your unapologetic self, but the big thing I think that I'm known for is my past as a bodybuilder and how I have taken that journey to now body acceptance. I was entrenched in the fitness community and really just let that take over my entire life. And I quickly realized that that turned into some not so great stuff, including an eating disorder and body dysmorphia. So battling that, for, I mean, I want to say like past few years, but really it's, I feel like it's an forever battle, but now I feel like I've taken that history and making it made it something for me that's empowering and focus on that body acceptance, body positivity, and really just living my happy, authentic life and not being so worried about what I look like and all about how I feel. <laughs> I love that. And how old are you? I am 26 years old and I live in Los Angeles, California. (laughs) Very nice. Are you from Los Angeles? No, I'm actually originally from Georgia. Well, I was born in Jersey, but lived there for like five minutes. I really almost said I'm from Georgia. I was born in Short Hill Summit. I live in like right by Wayne, New Jersey. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know anything about geography in Jersey. (laughs) Okay, fabulous. No, but I literally lived there for like five minutes, barely even anything. Don't even remember anything. Then moved to Florida for like another five minutes, but Mm -hmm. born and well, I don't want to say born and raised, but I feel like I'm born and raised in Georgia and then went to school in Chicago, then lived in Florida for a year. And now I'm here in LA. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, I mean, as far as your whole process with the, you know, the bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff, when did you realize that you got to the point with your bodybuilding, you know, career that it was starting to turn into something that wasn't good for you? Honestly, I feel like I knew, but I never wanted to admit to myself when I was getting about a month or two from my first ever stage day. I knew that I was having these obsessive compulsive thoughts and I couldn't stop thinking about what my next meal was, freaking out about going off by even a 10th of a gram in any of my food and being able to fit in the exact minutes of any workout. But I also thought that this was so much better and I was trading bad thoughts for better ones because I had started bodybuilding because I had noticed eating disorder tendencies in myself. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna trade that problem for this better problem, which was bodybuilding. Looking back now, I'm like, no, I traded a bad problem for a worse problem, an even badder problem. (laughs) Because I thought that it was something that was really helpful. But in reality, it was completely brainwashing me into thinking that I was living this super healthy life. But in reality, it was the least healthy I've ever been. Yeah. What was that whole process of you going from, you know, competing and then to just stop? Like, did you, I don't know if cold turkey is a good word for, I don't know how the whole process goes, but did you basically just like not do it again? Did you wean off? Like, how did you go from doing that basically full-time to like stopping it? So honestly, I had, so when I 
did my last show that ended up being my last show ever that was the summer right before my senior year of college and so I told myself okay I know that I dedicated my life to bodybuilding for the past two years so I was like okay I want to enjoy my senior year of college like this is supposed to be the fun time everyone says this is the best year like I want to go out with a shebang okay so then I was like I will pick it back up after senior year and when I'm out in the real world then I could do it again but as senior year was happening I was like wait living life is actually kind of fun like this is actually really good stuff was happening like eating food with my friends like going out drinking actually being able to not only just go to parties and enjoy myself but actually allowing myself to go to parties because previously too I'd, I would get mad at people for inviting me to parties being like don't you know I have to train in the morning like why would you even ask me that like that's ridiculous so I actually just got to let loose and live life and then on top of that I was also realizing oh my gosh I have some serious eating disorder issues one just because I always just felt so out of control around food when they weren't like the safe bodybuilding foods that I was allowed to eat and then I just I just noticed my binge eating habits were always bad but when I was no longer on this prescribed plan which is why bodybuilding became this other like eating disorder of orthorexia for me when I no longer was like allowed to be orthorexic I then went back and relied on my binge eating behaviors and I literally like right now I'm remembering a moment where I went to the store and I was like, okay, like I can buy protein bars, like cliff bars. They're allowed. Like I can do that. went to the store, bought 10 cliff bars for the week. I went home, ate them all immediately. Mm-hmm. And then I just sat there like within five minutes. And I just remember sitting there being like, oh my God, Lee, like you have a problem. Like you <laughs> need to deal with this. So it was those few months going into that senior year where mm-hmm. I was gaining weight. I was not loving my eating habits, but I was enjoying life. I was like, okay, like we need to reel it in. Like, let's figure out what's going on. So I decided to check myself into an eating disorder facility. And that had actually come about because um, right after my last show, I actually had come out for an internship in Los Angeles. And so I was out here still like figuring out life without bodybuilding, but still training the same way. And, you know, had decided already at that point, I wasn't going to be fully committed to that lifestyle at this moment. And an old friend from summer camp when I was in like middle school, high school, uh, early high school was out here as well. And we connected and she was telling me like, Lee, you know, I actually went to this eating disorder program. It sounds like this actually could be really helpful for you. And she was the first person I ever opened up to about my eating disorder. And just those conversations we had in the summer we had together out here really just kept replaying in my mind. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready to take that plunge. I went to an eating disorder facility and just based on where I was at in my journey, they told me that it made most sense for me to do outpatient treatment. And then we went from there. (laughs) Now, how was that whole process? Because I know a lot of times I myself too struggled with being able to talk to my parents about the whole thing. I feel like a lot of times people hear like, I'll have an eating disorder and people don't realize the severity that which it can come with, or they just think eating disorder means anorexia. Like they don't see the other side with the binge eating and all that kind of stuff. So when it came time that, you know, you said you mentioned she was the first person that you really spoke to about it, obviously going into the facility, whatever else, I'm sure you had to kind of bring your parents into the mix. How did you kind of go about having that conversation? I'm not going to lie. Um, my parents still don't really get it uh, <laughs> to this day. And it's really, really difficult for them. And, you know, that's okay. I have my own support system that understands it a little bit better. And I can understand why for a lot of people it is super difficult to get. Even the people that are part of my support system, I feel like sometimes it just doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. 
And you know what? That's that's why it was super helpful to be able to have someone who has gone through similar experiences because even too, it was difficult when I was in the facility because as a binge eater, that's not one of the quote unquote main eating disorders. Like I wasn't anorexic. As you said, I wasn't bulimic. You know, I was a binge eater and a lot of people even think being a binge eater, oh, well, you have to be, you have to be purging. And I'm like, no, I'm not purging. If anything, I was definitely also doing, um, exercise purging or other forms of purging that, you know, people don't typically think of, but that wasn't my, my main motive. So it, it, it can be difficult just to have anyone understand. So I have to say, I I would be totally lying if I said that bringing my parents into the fold, if anything, like super changed. I think like to this day, we have um, some issues around language sometimes and the way we talk about foods. And even when we like had sit down conversations with therapists, you know, they were like, I I literally just don't get it. And, you know, I've had conversations about different topics too, where I'll talk, be talking to people and they'll try to explain something to me. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I want to get you. I'm hearing it, but I just don't understand. And so I'm like, this is just one area. I feel like they want to understand. So I'm like, you know what? That's okay. I, I got a whole army of people behind me. I got all the cuties who are, who are ready to listen and be there. And I can explain it as much as I can for people. And also, I think the big part, something I should have looped in all there, you have to be wanting to learn. Yep. And wanting to listen and wanting to change. And wanting to talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that sometimes too, for parents, it can be really difficult because you don't want to think that there's anything wrong. You don't want to think you missed something and you don't want to think that there's something difficult. Again, I don't want to speak for my parents (laughs) because this isn't something we totally talk about all the time, but I could really see how it's something where they're like, you know, I don't, I don't want to get it. Cause then if I get it, that means something wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when I kind of do bring it up to my parents too, like when I was going through it and I was bulimic, I was anorexic, I was, you know, going to the gym on an empty stomach and then running till I basically felt like I was going to throw up. And then everybody yeah. praised me for how much weight I lost. And it was, did you see the one, you know, one daughter of, you know, this person who lost a lot of weight and whatever else. And it's hard when you get caught up in like, okay, people are noticing and they seem to be liking it. And it seems like, oh, this is what I should be doing but that's not the way I should have been going about it. And it's one of those things that now it comes up. And for me, I think the the most that I was able to talk to my parents about it and kind of leeway into the fact that I do have an eating disorder was when I spoke to them about the way that I was using the gym and mm. how they saw how intensely I was going to the gym and how often and how I wasn't letting my, like I was hard on myself for if I couldn't go a day or that kind of stuff. So, I mean, my question to you is going from the bodybuilding to now this acceptance that you're at, how has your relationship with the gym changed? Did you go through a lull? Oh, a hundred percent. I had a mega lull where I like felt like I wasn't doing anything and it was super laborious just to get my butt up and go to the gym. Like Mm -hmm. I, I felt like for a while it was really just like, I I think right after I decided I quit bodybuilding too I remember there was one day actually my parents were in town I forget why but they were in town and I remember being in the hotel with them and my mom and I had said that we were going to go to the gym together and I don't know what it was but I looked at her and I just started sopping and she was like what's wrong what's wrong and I was like I don't want to go to the gym I don't want to go and she was like okay then we don't have to go I was like no but we have to go and she's like no, we don't have to go. We, we, we did not go. And I was like, okay. Like, but I'm literally crying. And then I start crying more because then I'm not going to the gym. You know, it's just this whole cycle. So that took a while to break, even while I was in 
treatment too. When I was doing any sort of treatment, I was still going to the gym. And I remember my therapist, that's typically not something, you know, you do too in treatment. Like they'll tell you to stop all activity, but they were, you know, monitoring it. And, and I was just a little bit further along in my journey mentally in the eating disorder. So I think they kind of trusted me a little bit more. Uh, but looking back, I'm like, oh, I still definitely was using it partially as a crutch, 100%. And after that, I think when I moved to Florida right after graduation, and I definitely found it difficult to make it to the gym because I was working really weird hours in my first job and I just couldn't get myself there. And I I just got even harder and harder myself. And I started gaining more and more weight also just because I was really unhappy with where I was at in life and just so many other factors. And I gained the most weight I ever have. I mean, honestly though, I'm not even a hundred percent sure because I haven't weighed myself Mm -hmm. since really the going to treatment. I think I did once, um, actually because it was a activity they told me that they wanted me to do a treatment but we will circle back to that um yeah I've been been given that one too (laughs) yeah they were like oh we actually want to expose you to that number because you're so scared of it and I was like oh can we actually like never do that so I really punted that and then I think like maybe a year or two ago I was like maybe I am ready like let's just do it and see what happened and then I got on the scope for the first time ever and I was like "Eh, it's a number Mm, whatever which was so different than how I used to act like but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm not even gonna lie. I kind of forgot my train of thought where I was going there. <laughs> oh, well, you covered yeah. my question. Yeah. But my whole thing is like, how did you go about? Because I know a lot of people that I talk to, they go from you know they know that they gain the weight, they want to get back into the gym, and they do a hundred percent. They get oh. in there and then they get so exhausted so quickly that then they get defeated when they don't see or they lose a couple pounds and they get defeated by not getting any further than that and kind of being at that plateau. And they're exhausted because they're pushing themselves to 100%. So what would be your advice to the people that are going through kind of a similar thing or going through something like that right now, as far as where do you start when you get back to the gym and you're in the mindset that you want to do it for weight loss or just becoming healthy? So I'm also, this is going to be a really, I think, story more, a more of my journey and something that I, I feel like I learned that's really great shareable advice is the first time I felt comfortable in working out and feeling like it wasn't something that was plaguing my mind honestly was in the start of 2020 when all the gyms shut down and it was the first time in my life where I like couldn't physically go to the gym and do the workouts that I knew and exhaust my body fully like that so I had to rely on hiking I had to go on walks I had to run I bought small weights to have at home and you know my company too was doing like fun little workouts at home like over zoom just like dance classes and stuff so it was the first time I was working out and just kind of trying to enjoy myself and just move my body for the sake of moving my body to get out of the damn house and so (laughs) that was like the first time ever too. I just started to lose weight. I started to like, it literally felt like it melted off my body because it was the first time ever I wasn't focusing on it. And I was just living my life. It was the first time too, where I wasn't just panicking about food. I was eating the food that I had at home and then ordering food out when I wanted it, but I wasn't consistently getting nervous about going out to restaurants with people and and freaking out about navigating a menu and what everyone else was going to think about me. I feel like it gave me time to sit in my own perception of myself and really think about what I liked, what I wanted and what I wanted to be doing with my time. And so 
in that I really learned, you just need to work out how you like it. And I used to, as a bodybuilder, look so down upon people who didn't lift as a workout. Like, oh my God, you do yoga? Like, that's not even a workout. Like, (laughs) why would you do that? Obviously, like you need to be squatting. And now I'm like, ew, like if you don't want to lift, you don't need to do that. I literally, right before we sat down to do this, I was just at an aerial fitness class, inverting myself over some fabric, just having fun. And that's gonna be my workout for the day. Like I'm not doing anything else. Like, and it wasn't the most rigorous intense thing I've ever done, but that's okay. I moved my body and also it's a different form of movement. And I also really realized that I have, <laughs> I'm lacking a lot of strength in different areas that I didn't know that <laughs> isn't activated when I'm- And you're working you know? on your gracefulness. <laughs> exactly. You know, like it's all about the beauty over here, but literally just find whatever you like, try new things, feel excited and to get out of your comfort zone because you know we we only got this time you don't there there's only like so much you can do with it there's no use of feeling like you need to be perfect and on point and you can only do like this certain thing because that's not true at all like just yeah. explore yourself have fun and everything will fall in place you know I love that love it <laughs> it sounds so easy when you put it that way but it honestly could be that easy like it's just a matter of that's it's really just I'm a mental block to- Yeah. And I've been trying to work Mm -hmm. on my relationship with the gym too. I feel like when I was, as soon as the gyms closed down, I was like just finishing up a bulk. So they closed down and I was like, fuck, like, Mm -hmm. what am I supposed, like this whole gym, the little bit of gym equipment that I have in my freaking garage is not going to do shit for me now. Mm -hmm. And I've never been a runner. I'm never going to be. My asthma says no, just my body (laughs) says no. Like I, I was not meant to run. I always liked the weight training and the strength training. That was always my thing. And my boyfriend's a personal trainer. That's like our thing. I mean, he can run till fucking it gets dark out, but Mm. not for me. My throat like just gives up on me. To to be clear, I don't like running. Uh, I've never liked running. I think it's gross. (laughs) It just was the one thing that made me feel free. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't trapped in a four walled box, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I did the same thing. I did a lot of walks. Like we made a list of like 10, like 10 hiking places we wanted to go to. Like we did the same thing. We found things to keep busy, but I had that panic of like, oh God, now I actually like can't go. And now I'm stuck like this. And again, you bulk and then you do nothing. It's going to turn to fat. It's going to whatever. And that what I feel, that's what I feel like I've been trying to catch up with over the past since then to now and it hasn't helped feeling like there's this urgency of like I have to be a certain weight or I have to look a certain way I'm in the I'm in the mentality now that I just want to be comfortable I want to be able to you know wear a tight shirt and be all right if my fupa hangs out a little bit like I want to be <laughs> yeah like, I want to be all right with it I want to be all right with that and I've never been in a place where I've been in that mindset and it feels good and it feels good feeling like I can go to the gym if I feel like it if I have the energy to not oh I, I you know I slept like shit and I have no energy but I have to go and I drag myself there and have a shitty workout and that kind of stuff so that whole balance piece and just making it as simple as do what you want to do and do what feels right to you is so important because it keeps you in touch with yourself Yes. And one thing too, that I also think is important of that, because I feel like a lot of people feel like in my message that I'm being like, oh, well, like you never have to work out if you don't want to and all this stuff. Okay. That's not what I'm saying because there are a lot of days I work, I wake up and I'm like, oh, like there's nothing I want to do less right now than get up and move my body. But I always think about futurely, like what's futurely going to appreciate. And there are some days where I wake up and I'm like, futurely is going to be like, this sleep is really important. And you you really should just lay here another hour. Totally. And that's what I'm going to listen to myself. But there are some days where I'm like, 
you know what future Lee is going to be like, girl, if you didn't get those endorphins, like, what are you doing? You know? So I always am trying to be cognizant of like, what's going to be the most beneficial for my overall, overall well-being, both mentally and physically. And another tip that's been really helpful for me in discovering more of the workout fitness space is classes make that really easy because even if I don't want to do it sometimes, but I was looking out for my future self, I'm like, okay, I've registered for this thing. I know that I'm going to feel better in doing it. And so that also has been really helpful for me. (laughs) Yeah. I know a lot of people that like, they have like gym anxiety and for them, the best way to go about that is to do classes. Again, mm-hmm. it's whatever you feel like that's, I feel like people get so caught up in like, oh, well, I watch, you know, this person, this person, this person, they do it this way. So that's the way I have to do it. But like your journey is your own. You have to start it and you have to go about it in the way that makes sense to you and feels right to you. And that you get told by listening to yourself. That's the best way you're going to do it without reaching fatigue, without, without feeling like you constantly hit a plateau. It's just. You made a good point too about like, I think it was just the way you strung the words together of saying, listening to yourself. And I think that was something that bodybuilding had me turn off because mm-hmm. I never listened to myself. I always had to listen to the plan. I always had to listen to the coach and l- listen to what was prescribed to me weekly. So that was things too, where, you know, I was only allowed to do cardio on the Stairmaster. And so I was like, okay, well then that means every other machine sucks and every other form of cardio is horrible. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a while to unlearn that and really feel like, okay, I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. Like it's okay to do cardio, like literally any other way yeah. <laughs> or, you know, not feel like you have to do something because someone told you and just get out of that mindset. <laughs> yeah. And it's not easy, but once you get there, it makes you have a better relationship with the things around you. Totally. Now, I am curious because I am a big, you know, I like to be very inclusive to both men and women, to people who are non-binary, to Mm -hmm. however you identify. And I'm sure that you've seen it when you were doing your competitions, but I hate the whole stigma around that guys, I'll say just men, don't go through body dysmorphia or don't have eating disorders or don't have that kind of stuff. And I think that that was one of the things that I saw you mention and something I like stalked you like you don't even know when I was trying to come up with questions, but I saw something that you mentioned about it. And I was like, this is why I feel like I like I get her and she will get me because mm-hmm. people have the mindset that it's not just all about women going through no. this. I am a huge, mm-hmm. huge and trying to be an even bigger advocate for the fact that everything that women go through, excuse me, if you identify as a woman, the same thing that the people that identify as men go through as well. So what do you have to say on the whole thing of men don't go through body dysmorphia, men don't have eating disorders? What is Oh your my gosh. I'll say to the day I die, they do. And like, sometimes I feel like it's worse because for them, they have to be closeted about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the societal stigma that they're not allowed to have body issues. And it's so crazy to me because you literally just transpose it onto a woman and immediately everyone's like, oh my God, like, are they okay? You Mm -hmm. know, but especially as a bodybuilder, I remember I clearly had an eating disorder and body dysmorphia, obviously. And a lot of, you know, my people outside of the bodybuilding circles would notice that. But I'm like, you know, you look at any other guy in the gym that they, even people who weren't doing bodybuilding, like they would often follow the exact same protocols that I was following, you know, doing their workouts every day, you know, only eating like the bro meals of like chicken and rice and broccoli, like so many frat guys do it, you know, no one says anything about it because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just how they do it. But, you know, being obsessed with your weight, your looks, and you know, that fitness routine is not something that's just relegated to women. And 
something that honestly did really shock me. I mean, it, it shocks me anytime that anyone reaches out to me about, you know, their own journey and how they're feeling. But the number of men in my life that reached out to me on the side and they said, Lee, that was the first time ever. Like I feel understood by someone. And, you know, you, I feel like you opened up a door to a world that I didn't fully understand with my eating patterns and my relationship with the gym and my body. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it felt like I was so honored to be able to get those messages and be able to talk to them about that because I just feel like that a lot of times too, men just don't have the space to be able to talk about their mental health and their physical, physical health in that way. Because a lot of times for them, it's just all about the gains and it's just all about like how big you can get. And it's never about how it's actually impacting you. Yeah. And, you know, just because a guy is, I think just since the fitness industry is so centered around like men and being just the overall toughness and whatever, and that's so closely associated with men, it's, it's built to make you think that men can tolerate it and just like women can't. And so we break down and like get eating disorders, <laughs> but that's not true. Like it's just more conducive to hide it for men. I mean, I definitely agree with that whole piece and it's the whole mental health thing is I think what is the driver with all of that. Because if men overall were able, again, the people that identify as men, I try to be very careful with the way that I kind of speak about that because I have an older sibling who's non-binary. Um, but the people that do identify as men or as male, they are brought up and just from even the guy, I have you know people that are 40 something in my master's class that I've like, that I'm friends with and I've reached out to the couple of guys in my class and I've asked them, can I pick your brain about men's mental health issues? And again, not for nothing in the clinical mental health field, there's a lot of women and barely any men. Yeah. So <laughs> again, that speaks for itself, but in every conversation I've had, whether the guy's been almost 50, whether he's been 14, whether he's been mid thirties, it's the same thing that every guy is raised with the mentality that they have to be tough and they don't show their emotions or their feelings. And I don't know what has to be done differently. I don't know if it's social media. I don't know if it's the way that the parents raise them and their opinions on the whole situation. I don't know what it is, but it's all rooted in the whole, you can't talk about it, you can't feel it. And that I feel like gets blown up when it comes to things like men not having issues with their body. Because I know plenty of guys that are like, yeah, I want to look like this person. I want to look like this person. The same way that girls scroll Instagram, like I want to have tits like her. I want to have an ass like her. Oh like, yeah. The same way that we do. So it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm so, so happy that you're on the same page with all that kind of stuff. But if you were to like, I don't know, like speak for them, what would you kind of say about the whole situation? Whether it's what can be done, how could they feel more comfortable? Like what do you think is the main rooting issue behind that? Is it like the people that suffer from toxic masculinity? Is it like, what do you think is the driver for that? So that's what's a little bit like difficult because mm -hmm. I think too, even for women, it's hard to talk about eating disorders. Yeah. A lot of times, like they don't even want to admit it. I, I felt like, and I was told when I checked myself into the facility, I was an anomaly. Like most people do not do that willingly. People yeah. are not like excited to talk about it and come to terms with anything. And, you know, when you are someone with an eating disorder, it's pretty easy to spot other people with eating disorders, even if they don't want to admit it. <laughs> but you know the signs, you've learned them all and you've conquered them or tried to, or you are wherever you're at, but you're aware. So I don't even want to necessarily limit 
it just to men about who is like more or less open. I think that both parties are not very open at all. I think the bigger issue is the societal standard of men not being able to express their emotions. And as you were saying earlier, not being able to express them in any way or, or having any crack in that tough outer shell or whatever. Yeah. And, and they just keep a lot of things bottled in for fear. Honestly, I think it, all of it is fear based and things can be expressed outwardly in different ways. I don't know. I'm, I, this is a little theory I've had recently, but I think too, why sometimes people, you know, think men are a lot angrier and yeah. are, are a lot more, you know, ready to punch a wall or something is because fear is, or, and anger, sorry, is the easiest emotion to express when you don't know how to express anything else. So when you're keeping everything bottled inside, you know, it's a lot easier to be like, fuck you. I'm eating my chickens. Like, I don't give a shit. Like whatever you have to say, like, you're just a, you know, basic ass, whatever you don't, you don't get the grind and yeah. it's easier to be angry at everyone else and angry about what you're experiencing rather than actually dealing with all of those tough negative emotions inside. Yeah. And I mean, when you reference fear, do you think it's fear of people judging them or you think it's fear of them not fully understanding how to express it, like coming across the wrong way? Oh my, I, honestly, I think it's fear of everything. Like it's the fear of the unknown. You know, you don't really know what's going on. What, what's wrong with me? What, what's everyone else going to think? What the hell's going on? I don't know this. This is uncomfortable. I'm scared of not, not feeling safe right now. It's so much easier for me to just keep doing what I've always been doing and what I know better, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think too, that that fear was something that really motivated me in bodybuilding. And I think too, again, looking at the bodybuilding community, predominantly men, that's really predom predominantly men. And I, you know, I was definitely a minority there as a woman. And when you have a whole community like that, like the whole community is based off of fear and everyone's just so scared of going off their diet, like going off anything, scared of gaining weight, you know, heaven forbid, literally the worst thing that can ever happen to you. Um, something I always think about to my old coach, uh, I, I laughed at it at the time and now I'm like, like makes me want to vomit, but his, one of his little taglines always was like, it's not, it's off season. It's not fat season. And I was like, no, but that's literally how everyone thinks they're literally, they're always like, oh my gosh, like even going up to a regular pant size or whatever, it's like, oh, I'm so fat. Like, because I don't fit my size zero or two anymore. And it's like, oh my God, that's like literally not true. Um, but I think it's easier to see too, in a community that's so predom predominantly men, why people would say too, that isn't fully characterized by eating disorders and body dysmorphia because it's all men. They wouldn't have eating disorders. They wouldn't have body dysmorphia. So obviously bodybuilding is totally fine and there's nothing wrong with it. And you know, it's a, it's a healthy pursuit when yeah. in reality, I will firmly stand that it is not. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of men, you got a man. <laughs> ah, I man. do. <laughs> um, I literally love this whole um I think it was like two days or maybe Valentine's Day that you guys watched a movie like you start at the same time yeah so cute um <laughs> talk to me about the whole long distance thing tell mm -hmm. me his name again because every time you do the caption talking thing it always says his name wrong so I don't know yes oh my gosh yeah. I know no so crazy so we're talking about Ireland boy um, his name is Dara and Dara, spelled okay. super crazy D-A-R-R-A-G-H, very Irish. Um, but 
for anyone who doesn't know, we met when I was on vacation in Ireland this past August. I was there to go see my alma mater, Northwestern, play a football game. I still do not understand why they were playing a football game in Dublin, but you know, here we are. And so I went because I am a diehard Northwestern football fan. And I went and I wanted to meet some local lads. So I changed my hinge location to Dublin matched with this really funny witty guy went out to go meet him. And he was like, I'm going to bring along my bestie. And I was like, okay, whatever. Cause I had a friend with me. And when he came out, I met the guy I matched with. I was like, great. And he was like, by the way, this is my friend Dara. And I looked and I was like, oh, I like Dara. (laughs) We just immediately hit it off. And, you know, ever since like that day, well, that night, you know, we, we were dancing up in the club. We decided to hang out the next day together. And then he picked me up the day after that to go to the airport. And we've just been talking ever since he made his first ever trip to America. He had never left Europe before. And he visited America just two months later to come see me and asked me to be his girlfriend. And here we are now. So yeah, I definitely have to say I never expected to find myself in a long distance relationship, especially because I have been in one before. Mm -hmm. I was in a two year long distance relationship. And it was the worst experience of my life. It was an (laughs) extremely toxic relationship. And I I used to always credit it to being long distance. And the problem was that it was long distance and I never really knew the guy. And if I had just been with him, I would have known that he was a horrible person and I, everything, I just blamed long distance on everything. And in getting to know Dara too, I, every day, like I would literally tell him like, no, I'm not doing long distance. Like this is never happening. Like I'm like, I would never, you know, be boyfriend, girlfriend, long distance. Like, but then as we kept talking, I was like, oh I really like you though and you seem like a good person right (laughs) like you know you're not full of shit so Mm. you know I remember too before he came and visited me here in LA I was like okay if we were to be long distance I have rules and he was like okay like what are the rules and I'm like okay (laughs) well first you know we have to talk every day you have have to want to FaceTime me every day and he was like that makes sense to me totally and I was like okay number two we have to visit each other every other month like you have to see me. He was like, that makes sense to me. I'm following you. And I was like, hmm, okay. This is too I was easy. Like, I was like, and then we have to live in the same place. I'm not sure I we both decide. Oh, <laughs> whoopsie. But then I was like, we both have to decide that we're going to live together, whatever timeline we decide. And then we have to decide we're going to move in together after that. And we have to know what that looks like before we become boyfriend, girlfriend. He was like, yeah, okay, totally. When do we want to talk about that? <laughs> I was like, oh my oh. God, I love it. <laughs> Well, well, when you put it like that, like you make it sound pretty easy. You're like, you're making this too easy. Tell me a red flag. I know. Honestly, it's so funny too. Cause every time I tell my dad something about him, my dad's like, when are you going to tell me what's wrong with him? He's like, tell me one thing. Like, I just want to hear one thing that's bad about him. My dad's like, he has to fart. Does he fart? And I'm like, yeah, he farts all the time. <laughs> my dad is like, oh, and, you, and like, it's just so funny. Cause I'm like, yeah, but like, like the only faults like quote unquote you can find are also just things that are perfect because I'm like you know who also farts all the time me (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that so I mean what is the whole I mean how long have you guys been together for okay well we met August 25th so August to September to October November December January February okay I've known him for six months now but we officially became boyfriend girlfriend in November and do you guys like 
have any idea of I know it's like still early days and everything but are you guys planning on like moving to in together are you gonna go there he would come so we definitely you. talked about it we just have not shared that publicly yet but they are definitely things that are in conversations Aww, with us <laughs> now my whole question about the whole relationship thing is because mm -hmm. I also before the relationship I'm in now I actually live with my boyfriend I live with him for November would be will be two years um exciting we have pets together we just got a puppy on saturday so oh, it's, the real, it's the real deal thanks um, oh my gosh yeah i would bring her but she would cry the whole time i was like yeah wait what puppy what's her name like oh my gosh doing? her name's darcy she's a mini uh bernie doodle so Bernie's oh so cute yeah. oh my goodness but we're like doing the thing and i before him i had a very same thing toxic really it wasn't long distance but um toxic relationship there was cheating there was you know just mm. any bad thing you can have basically that's what uh that's what it was and for me the biggest obstacle that I had when it came to meeting Tim and being in the relationship that I'm in now was how do I basically tell him about my past how do I mm. talk to him about the fact that I am having a lot of issues with myself that I don't take compliments well I you know, at that point that I have an eating disorder, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot to one, put on somebody. Um, and it's a lot to meet somebody new and figure out how to talk to them about that. I have a lot of people that when they do throw questions in, it's always, how do you bring up the stuff that you're going through with your partner? Especially if it's new, like you don't want to, everybody always says, like, I don't want to scare them off. I don't want right. to, all that kind of stuff. So with how open you are with all of your eating disorder and everything that you've gone through, how did you go about speaking to your boyfriend about all that kind of stuff and putting that out in the open? Yes. Oh my gosh. And what you're saying too about scaring them off, that is so real. But what I realized in finally being with the right person, you're never going to scare off the right person. Like you could do- That was a good answer. You passed. <laughs> like, right? Like <laughs> you could do a million wrong things in a row, but if you're meant to be like wrong, quote unquote, right? You know, but yeah. if you're meant to be together, like nothing you do is going to- make them all of a sudden be like, well, like, I don't like him anymore. I'm like, that's not how that works. And especially with me, I have such anxious attachment. Style. I'm like literally obsessed with attachment theory and attachment styles. That's like so important to me. I'm an anxious person. So I always knew like, oh my gosh, I have to be with someone who is secure. Like, but because I'm anxious, I am so attracted to avoidant people. And I would always find yeah. myself dating in, in like situations with avoidant people. And so finally, when I met Dara and in the way we were talking, like really early on, I think like the first week I was like, take this test. He took it and, I was, and he sent me his results and it came back and he had taken the attachment cell test and he was secure. And so I was like, oh my gosh, okay. It's all making sense. And also like, this is what secure looks like and this is what talking to a secure person looks like and honestly it was just I've never felt safer in my whole life and so as we started to have like a little bit serious conversations but not as like big serious as talking about my past in this in this realm you know I just knew okay I'm, I'm feeling really safe with him like every time I talk to him like nothing's wrong I'm, I'm able to really let my guard down I'm able to cry I'm able to have like tough conversations yeah and I never feel bad about it at one time actually our first ever conversation where I was like oh my god I did something wrong and I'm in trouble like I did something bad was I made a TikTok and I screenshotted a text he sent me I th like think it was like first week or second week and it was the sweetest little thing he sent me like I don't remember what it was right now particularly but it was him expressing his like adoration you know and and Aww. showing me that security and how he was here yeah. for me and so we were on a FaceTime 
I was sitting in this exact chair and I remember being on FaceTime with him and we were about to hang up. And then I was like, oh my God, by the way, like I made, I made a TikTok about you. And he was like, oh yeah, like, what was it? And I was like, oh, I, I screenshotted your text and his face like immediately changed. And he was like, you know, I, I actually just, I, I, I love you talking about me and I love you, you sharing me. I just would prefer if you didn't screenshot our messages. Cause you know, those are for you. And I, I only want you to see him. He's like, it's totally okay if you talk about them, but you know, screenshotting is a little different to me. And I immediately was like, Oh my God. Like I'm immediately panicking. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I did something bad. I did something bad. Oh my God. He hates <laughs> And he could see me like panicking and oh. I was kind of like laughing too. Cause I was so like, what am I doing? And then he was like, Lee, I can tell. And even too, he immediately goes, Lee, I can tell that you're really worried right now. And I want to let you know, you're not in trouble. There's nothing wrong, nothing bad, you know? And immediately I'm like, I just deleted it. And he was like, oh my God, you didn't even need to delete it. I just wanted to let you know in the future, just would love if you didn't screenshot or text or, you know, give me a heads up if you're going to do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, okay, I think I should go. <laughs> and then I like hung up and I remember sitting there immediately we hung up and I'm like, kind of like letting my breathing calm down a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I should listen to what he says. I'm not in trouble. Okay, let's think about it. He did seem, he seemed like I had hurt his feelings, but he was ready to, very quickly to get over it. And it wasn't that big of a deal at all. He just wanted to express to me how he felt. And then, you know, later that night we were on the phone and I was like, I think like, okay. Like, I, I think I was understanding what you're saying. He was like, yeah, again, not a giant deal. Just wanted to let you know that I wasn't feeling good about it. And after that moment too, and not to say immediately, I was like, okay, cool. I know that it's a really safe space for this person and he can, he can express whatever I can express whatever. But that moment really kind of started to open my eyes for the first time, because I'm just so used to in any situation, like getting yelled at or like being like, you're wrong or whatever. And, yep. and, and feeling like you're always like on edge. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, okay, he's a safe space. So as I started to open up and tell him about my past in bodybuilding and the fact that I have an eating disorder, the fact that I have body dysmorphia, you know, it, it felt like a lot easier. And I think he kind of had an inkling too, because the first night we spent together, actually, when I was in Ireland, it had come up that I was a bodybuilder and I, I don't remember if I had told him, cause usually when I tell people I'm a bodybuilder, I'm like, oh, but I usually don't like to talk about it because too, mm-hmm. when I tell new people I'm a bodybuilder they usually like to go what was your training oh my god like let me see pics like whoa like you look so good like yeah. they don't get like the whole context of what that means to me now but I remember immediately he was just like oh okay like it was so like not a big deal whatever and I so I think he knew kind of how it played in and then also too you know I I remember he would always tell me even though he has no social media he would he looked at my stuff you know he he wanted to see my TikToks he wanted to see my Instagram and so he saw kind of a little bit about what I was posting about and he knew like you know when I was ready to fully tell him and tell him everything that I would and so when I did it was just such a safe open space and he was fully willing to take me in and you know there were a lot of things that we will talk about because you know I don't want to speak for him or anything but everyone has their own journey and everyone has like their own ways that they can relate to different moments. And so I felt like in a, more ways than one, that it was a super safe space that I could talk to him and, you know, really feel like I had that warm, loving embrace, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you have moments now where you kind of, I mean, I guess it's different too, because you're long distance. So you at least can kind of you know, it's not like, again, like I struggle a lot of times because I live with him. So I'll have, Mm -hmm. you know, moments where if I'm not feeling good that day, or I feel like I just don't really look good or that kind of stuff too. Like I'll take my clothes in the bathroom and get changed. Like 
I don't want to mm. be seen even getting dressed in front of him and like all that kind of stuff too, which like you think it's been like, I don't know, four, almost five years that like, it's one of those yeah. things that's like, why would it even matter? Like, I know that he loves me beyond just what I look like, or if I, you know, I look a little bit like that kind of stuff. And it's, it's stressful, but at the same time, how do you deal with the days where you're not feeling your best? And if you ever feel like, you know, you seem to be a very positive person, but at the same time, <laughs> everybody who's positive also has days where they're not so positive. Oh my gosh. So yeah. <laughs> on days like that, how do you one deal with it for yourself at the same time, try not to project that onto your partner? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Actually. Oh, I, we had this conversation once where I, I was like super worried. About, I was super worried about him because of the way, like one day he was like eating, like, I, I was just like, Oh my God, something's wrong with him. Something's wrong with him. And I remember I talked about it in therapy too. And my therapist was like, okay, like, why don't you talk to him about it? And so I talked to him about it. And he was like, Lee, like, how are you doing? Like, are you like, how is it going on? And then I was like, oh my God, I'm totally projecting. I'm totally projecting because right now I'm having a super insecure time with food. And I'm so projecting because you had two desserts last night. And instead of me just being like, you wanted to extra indulge, I was like, something's wrong with him. And obviously yeah. like that wasn't the case at all, but we were able to have that conversation, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I definitely cry all the time and I definitely can be super, super sad, sad girl. Um, <laughs> and I definitely have two ends of the spectrum where I can like really just go on either end so um but the majority of the time, no <laughs> you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all but I'm like as someone who is super happy super outgoing whatever I definitely can be on the other end where I'm like yeah. whoa like okay you know um but oh my gosh I don't even I, I do this a lot where I go down a little rabbit hole I'm kind of <laughs> I'm forgetting okay, where, where was the question like, starting I'm like um just as far as if you project like how you deal with the days well I okay, we'll start with this one first how do you deal with the days oh, where you're not feeling your days. best? Yes. yes, bad body image days. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I'm actually really excited because I was about to make like a YouTube video on this soon. Um, but essentially like there are specific like tactics I use to do that. Like, you know, easy one is like avoiding mirrors or any reflective surfaces, making sure I'm wearing comfy yet cute clothes, getting out of the house and doing something fun. I think one of the last things I do and I try honestly to not do is rely on other people, you know, calling a friend, even on a lot of bad of those body image days, I don't try to call Dara first. Like that's not my first plan of attack because I know it's all within and it's something that I need to deal with and I need to cope on the inside and anything he says or does is not going to change how I feel. Even if he stands there for the next hour and tells me that I'm beautiful and gorgeous and there's nothing about me that needs to change. I'm not going to hear any of that because all I'm hearing is the voice in my head or I'll be like, he's lying. He, he, you know, he's just saying that. And a lot of times when I'm going to say that he's my boyfriend, like, yeah, right. Uh -huh. Exactly. And even literally like to this day, every single, every, almost every single day and more than once a day. No, I don't want to say almost every single day, every single day. And more than once a day, Dara will always tell me that I am the hottest girl that ever exists. And he has no idea how I'm his girlfriend. And like, I'm every time I'm like flabbergasted and I'm like, can you sh like, shut up? Like, why are you like, I don't get why you're saying that to me. Like, how can that be true? But there are a lot of times too, especially, you know, when we are in more um how do I say intimate moments and and you know close her off especially too <laughs> like I have to really like trust in that I'm like okay 
he's not gonna be lying to me like all the time like that would be stupid like why would you just like lie to someone like that he's he's got to have some merit behind that so you know I'm especially letting myself like have more confidence in, in in sex and in like regular daily life I'm like okay you know what I'm allowed to be naked in front of my boyfriend and he can think I'm hot and I can think I'm hot and that is allowed and you know and he wouldn't be lying to me because that would be stupid and if he was he would be a bad person and he's not a bad person so yeah now how do you so say if the tables were turned and whether it was your boyfriend or one of your friends or whatever say I'm coming to you and I'm like listen like I really hate myself today I have to go and you know I have to go to a thing tonight I have to get dressed up I don't want to put this thing on I don't want to like I literally just want to put a bag over my head and stay home and do nothing how do you how would you help a friend or somebody who reaches out to you and says those types of things first thing I would say is like can we talk more about your feelings you know, let, let me know, like, let's dive deeper into that. I would first mistake a lot of people make because I was like, no, no. Oh my God. That, that is so invalidating. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so invalidating. Like there's nothing more feeling like you aren't listening to me than you being like, no, shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. Like what, like what you're saying doesn't matter. It only matters what I say. Like, no, yeah. shut up. Like you're, you're allowed to have a bad body image day. You're allowed to feel like shit. Okay. That happens point in case moving on from that okay you're coming if you were to come to me with that you know you're coming with me to to vent those negative emotions it's not my job to then turn it around for you but it's my job to be your listening board to to be the person that you can vent to and hopefully you can be able to shift that for you you know I'm taking on part of your load for you I'm not going to do all of the work you know so if you're coming to me and you're saying that like oh my god I literally feel like shit like I don't know what to do blah blah my first thing would be like, okay, like, you know, let's talk more about those feelings. But then I'd be like, what can we do now? L- let's think about a plan of action. If you got to go to this event tonight, you got to put that dress on. What's something we can do that'll get you one step closer to feeling good at putting that dress on? Okay. Maybe it's going to be taking a shower. Let, let's go in and we'll take a shower, like get you cleaned up, get you ha- feeling a little bit better as how you're going to be when you put that dress on. Next, maybe you haven't eaten a meal today because you felt so insecure. Okay. Let's, let's do that. You know, figuring out those like next steps, that's going to get you feel a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more at a like baseline state. Um, because obviously I'm not saying like, you need to be like a hundred feeling like super, super great, but we need to at least like feeling a place where like you can get through the day on your own and feel empowered and just know that like you, you are a baddie and sometimes your brain lies to you. And that's another thing to remember, like, just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. And it's crazy too, that you mentioned the part about the mirrors, because I, Mm. my boyfriend and I, he, for anniversary, he brought me to one of these like getaway houses. We were in like a cabin in New Hampshire, like in the middle of the woods, Mm -hmm. didn't leave, like basically wore the same exact clothes the whole time. There was no mirror. Like the only Mm -hmm. mirror was like the tiny, like mirror in the shower, I guess, for like you to see if you were going to shave, but that was it. And I didn't think about anything having to do with me being uncomfortable, how I looked, even when it came to any like close off moments and getting dressed and whatever else Mm -hmm. didn't think about it once and then I went home and automatically those things came back and I was like it is so crazy Mm -hmm. what a difference it makes not having a mirror in front of me for me to sit there and nitpick at myself it was like like I said I said it to Tim and it's like do you want to like get rid of some of the mirrors we have and I'm like no like no like I'm not gonna do that like I can't avoid mirrors but it's crazy how much of a critic I became because I came I became so obsessed with looking for the things that I had problems with and I have so many people that reach out to me and they always say to me, like, you know, my friend is her hardest critic. And, you know, I feel bad when she comes to me and she says that, like, you know, I'm not feeling good or, 
I, you know, I had gone to Atlantic City a couple, probably about like two months ago now. And all of my friends are the tall, the skinny, the perfect body. Like I've got the most beautiful friends in the world. And I'm a little short Italian girl. My torso is too small for my body. Oh my <laughs> I got God. a bigger chest. Like I've got like, you know, I don't look like my friends. So when I go out and I'm, you know, in a room getting ready with them and I can see the things that they can walk out in. Yeah. I'm at the point where I don't want to wear things without sleeves because I don't want my arms to show. It gets to a point where you just get so caught up in the whole, like, well, I can't look like them. And I was in that situation Now people coming to me and saying, I feel bad with my friends in that situation. It's so important what you said, as far as your first thought cannot be to say, no, you're not because that person's just going to feel like they can't come to you then the, yeah. the last thing you should do when somebody is coming to you to talk about feelings especially negative feelings is to make them feel like they're invalidated and yeah. if anything that's going to turn into them feeling like they can't talk about it because everybody disagrees with me anyway so what's mm -hmm. the point of me going to anybody it's so just silly have you ever been in a situation where you've had a friend that you've noticed any type of like eating disorder tendencies or any type of, you know, like noticing like a dip in their mental health or like picked up on things that you've kind of started the conversation of like, hey, I'm a little worried or hey, I'm sensing this. Have you ever been in a situation like that before? Honestly, the closest I ever came to that was that conversation that I just told you about that I had with Dara. Yeah. And even then, like that probably wasn't even a conversation that I probably needed to have. And it, because if anything, it just was something I needed to talk to myself about because I was just having a super high anxiety, like day or days, you know, during that period. A lot of times I think it is super difficult when you are noticing behaviors in other people, because I have found that you really need to balance that line of, you know, people got to come to the place on their own. Yeah. And especially when it is just you noticing that it, it is something that's really difficult because of course there are things like interventions when it's like impacting your life and like, or, and everyone else's lives around them and their own life in that negative detrimental way. But especially when I think about my own journey, there were for so long, I was clearly struggling, but I wasn't going to do actually do anything about it until I realized. And I equate it similarly to how people say, like when someone's in a super toxic relationship, like you could tell them a million times that they are in a toxic relationship, but they're, if anything, they'll shut you out and they'll shut you down. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I had a toxic relationship with my body and everyone would tell me that. And I'd be like, shut up. You don't get the grind. You don't get what I'm doing and how I'm actually way better and way healthier. And you're actually just jealous of the amazing relationship I have with food and yeah. my body and the gym, like you're jealous. And so I would ice them all out. And so a lot of times I, I've, when I would think about those moments, I'm like, you know what, I would, I would rather keep that friend and let them feel like they have someone to talk to and someone to go to who has a safe space. And also maybe at least partly kind of like a role model Mm -hmm. um, in, in that world, at least, and, and know like, Hey, this, I have someone in my life who has gone through that. And when they're ready to see that, that I, I can be there for them in the ways that they need. Have you had any relationships change like negatively, positively from your switch from doing the bodybuilding to where you're at now? I like definitely feel like anything like that. Yeah. Like I think all of my relationships change um if for the better or the worse whatever you know you you really like as a bodybuilder to kind of learn like who your friends are and people who are willing to deal with you because you become insufferable uh, so my two best friends 
from high school and early college, Dom and Annie, um, they stuck by me through all of it. You know, we're still yeah, best Dom and Annie. this day, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like those girls like ride or dies over here, you know, even though I was literally the worst human on the planet, like they, they were like, okay, we well, you know, like, you know, she just needs a moment to get through it. And so you really are able to see like how your friendships can like withstand that kind of thing but then also too you kind of see who your more like fickle friends are or people who like just want to be friends with you because like they thought it was cool like what you were doing or you know people who are my bodybuilding friends you know yeah. I realized once I stopped doing it, I'm like oh we would just sit and lust over food porn all day long and that was the basis of basis of our friendship and that is not good so like dropping friendships like that and then I think a big thing for me too when I was single uh since I was single for so long like during uh, I I was in that toxic relationship when I first started bodybuilding but by the time I was doing my competitions we had broken up so really when I was in the thick of it I was single and then I was single for the years leading after it it was so interesting to me to watch how my relationship with men changed as my body changed and you know how people equated my attractiveness to my small size and again another theory I do theorize that I thought it was my small size that people really loved but really my confidence was Mm -hmm. something that was taking a deep complete nosedive and so people really picked up on that and were less attracted to me feeling so insecure about my size and how I looked and but but also something it was something that really impacted my relationship with cheer because I was a college cheerleader and at work and and something in school but it, it really just overall impacted like how I saw myself and my confidence levels. And until I realized like your weight doesn't matter, your size doesn't matter, how you look doesn't matter in that way. It, my confidence was able to comp- do a complete 180. Yeah. And now going off of that, you just shared your, and I think you just did your YouTube videos too, about the seven reasons why you're glad that you gained mm-hmm. weight. Yeah. If you were to pick two of those reasons, um, out of the seven, what would you say are the two reasons why out of those that you are the happiest about gaining weight? I feel like people think it like they hear like, I'm happy I gained weight. And for some people that's like such a crazy thing to say, but for you, it was getting your life back basically. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I also ended up making a follow-up video. So now there's 14 reasons why too. So I have like, and even I can probably make even more, but there are so, so many reasons why it's beneficial to, to gain weight, especially when you're out of weight (laughs) that is not conducive for life. I think it's hard to even narrow it down to two, but uh, I'll start with the real big one that you kind of even just mentioned. The fact that I gained my life back. Mm-hmm. I'm able to live a happy, productive, exciting life now. I feel like before my my life, not even I feel like, my life literally just revolved around going to the gym and eating food and the way I looked. I, I didn't wake up without body checking myself, not only in the mirror, but on the scale with tape measures, like everything revolved around that. I would, I would spend hours laying in my, hours laying in my bed, just looking at photos of myself and comparing them. I would, you know, go in those apps where you could splice photos together and I would just stare at different iterations of comparisons. It, it's horrible to think back and look about that. But, and now, you know, my body, I, it doesn't even get a second thought. You know, I, even today, I kind of noticed it when I was in my aerial fitness class, there was this one part where we were doing this move where we had a balance, like, like a plank on top of the, 
fabric and my leggings had, I always wear high rise leggings and my high rise leggings had become low rise and my whole belly was just hanging out over this fabric and it was all pushed out. And I was like, you look kind of cute right now. And I was like, look at you doing your little plank. Look at you like doing this awesome activity. Like I didn't even think about like, oh my gosh, like you, your belly's sticking out. Like this isn't the most flattering pose or whatever. You know, I was just thinking me, how yeah. yeah, I was just like, this is so exciting. You're doing this cool new move. And also your, your body is just doing this cool new thing. And if anything, your tummy is so cute. Like you're adorable, <laughs> you know? And it's not the kind of toxic positivity thing. Cause I think a lot of people also confuse confidence with toxic positivity and just always being like, I'm obsessed with myself and I'm perfect. And there's nothing wrong with me. That's not true. But not looking in the mirror and immediately being like, oh God, like there's something wrong. Like there's nothing wrong with having a body. We all have bodies <laughs> and we all have fat, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think I would just always try to find things that were wrong with me. Yeah. And then I think another really big, again, really hard to limit to two, but one that honestly like kind of I'm going to bridge two. You can together. do like two to three. If I can have you on for like three hours, we can go. Oh my God, no, no, no. If anything, everyone go watch my two yeah. YouTube videos. But <laughs> one point that I talk about in both that I'm going to bring together is my reproductive system and getting that back. I lost my period for six years because of bodybuilding, my over-exercising and under-eating. And in bodybuilding, that's completely lauded as normal. Not only normal, but expected. And totally, totally fine. Uh, every professional I worked with in the bodybuilding industry was like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in reality, there is, there is something really wrong with that. And the reason that that happens is because your body is in starvation mode and in survival mode, because you're giving yourself so few nutrients and you're expending so many. So your body's like, okay, what, what are things that are expendable that we can shut down right now? And that is your reproductive system. And so you lose your period. And then on top of that too, what's part of your reproductive system, your sex drive. So also I was just completely like unattracted to men and you know, attracted to men uh I had a very like healthy dating life like uh previously to that and and always you know was was interested in not not only like I don't know being with guys but just like talking to them mm -hmm. but at this point too I I just didn't even want to be around guys it, it, like it, it was really upsetting to think about now where I'm like oh my gosh there were points too where I questioned if I was asexual or not because I was like I literally don't even want to think about, think about dating and, and not in the like, oh, you know, taking a break or whatever. Cause we all have that. But it, it was yeah. in the sense where I was like, it kind of like disgusts me to think about it. So definitely very interesting side effects that no one talked about. in when you were that small, so gaining weight allowed me <laughs> to have a healthy sex life and get my period back. <laughs> and what was that like process? Like, was it like all of a sudden it was just like, did you have to go to a doctor? Like, were you going to like your typical like gyno through all of that like and there was nothing brought up like that blows my mind that it's like such a normal thing like did you speak to your doctor about that and they were kind of like yeah it's just, it's normal too with what you're doing like or I was expected like what was losing your period often is expected of athletes in general so to when I went when I was at college I would see the school gynecologist and the school doctors but specifically I had athletic doctors because um, of the fact that I was a cheerleader so 
they all, they'll a lot of times then just were like, oh, that's expected of athletes. You know, you're just not going to have a period. I think too, something that I often did try to hide was the fact that I also was a bodybuilder because one, I remember one of the athletic doctors did find out and he was very anti, like, Lee, you need to stop. Lee, you cannot be a bodybuilder. You cannot do this like while you are a cheerleader or whatever. And like, it's not good for you. So then ever since then, I was like, oh my God, like he doesn't get it. Like, oh my God, even though he, this doctor doesn't understand like what bodybuilding is like, you know, <laughs> which is like, oh my God. Well, so hilarious. Um, but yeah, just based on the information I shared with people, uh, they were not worried. (laughs) Wow. That blows my mind. My last question that I have for you. Yes. Um, Let me make myself not look yellow for some reason. My light is turning yellow. Um, it's late over there. Yeah, um, can you tell that it's gotten like perfect? I know, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, because I'm like, here, sun's still shining, you know. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, <laughs> my whole thing about, you know, just everything that you do on social media and what I'm trying to do with social media, and I've spoken about before in, um, I think maybe like two episodes back about the, your relationship with social media. How has your relationship with using social media, what you see on social media, how has that changed through the course of, being a bodybuilder and going through the competitions up to now what you're doing oh my relationship with social media has changed so much um when I was a bodybuilder I was addicted to so many different facets of it And in, in the way that design that social media is designed to get you addicted. As mm-hmm. I talked previously, I was addicted to food porn accounts. I would just sit there and scroll and look at different food accounts of people eating big, I, oh, the mukbang videos, but people like just doing cheese pulls and I mean, but just watching other people enjoy food because I couldn't enjoy it. That, that is a really, really obvious eating disorder behavior, but that was something that social media really perpetuated for me even too social media is the reason that I started bodybuilding because I saw someone from my high school post on Instagram that they were doing bodybuilding and so I was like what is this and so that is the reason I was even introduced to it and then I became literally obsessed with fitness influencers oh my god it was the era of Marie Wald and Amanda Bucci and Emily Hayden and all those girlies and I was addicted to their lives in 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 a sense of I actually remember telling my best friend Annie before I one day I was like girl I actually don't really care about my friends like I, I care more about checking snapchat to see like what Marie Wald is up to like <laughs> oh, oh, Heidi Summers like, I want to I want to know what she's doing I don't I actually don't care what my friends are doing like it became that where the only thing I was like excited to do was like go to the gym and watch Amanda's new blog like that's all I wanted to do and I really, those parasocial relationships were so strong because I felt like those were also the only people who understood me and validated what I was doing, that this bodybuilding culture was normal and okay. And other people aren't going to get it. And that's fine. And then especially to like things that they were doing, like, I remember Marie Walt said she like quit being a college athlete to pursue bodybuilding because they told her she had to do one or the other and she picked bodybuilding and I was like yeah obviously you should do that because you know bodybuilding is everything and if you don't want to give up everything for bodybuilding you don't actually love it and Mm -hmm. she's really showing that she's truly committed and now looking back I'm like what a stupid fucking decision (laughs) you're gonna really give up being an athlete like a college athlete to bodybuild come Mm -hmm. on at least 
table it for a minute. Like you can do it later if you really desperately want to do it. But also, oh my God, like, does that not show you how disordered the thinking is that you're like, yeah, I would rather like give up this really cool once in a lifetime opportunity to just lose weight. Like, that's what it is. You know, it's not, it's not a sport. It's a pageant, you know, you know, saying like, I'm trading one sport and another. No, you're not. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent because I do that, but I was obsessed with social media in that way. And also just posting my life and, and posting it in ways that were also flattering too. I'm someone who's always been TMI and I'll share a lot, but I also always wanted to look in a good light. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, but I always like, even if I was having like, like, Oh, the worst work on my life. Or like I cried at the gym or something like that. I would still always post that gym selfie. Just be like, just so everyone knows I was here, but I would, you know, wouldn't be like, this was like the worst day of my life. And then as it went on, I, I feel like my social media presence changed a little bit, especially too, because social media is something that's really big for me, like in my nine to five job. Um, that's something I really focus heavily on. So I kind of saw social media as something that, I mean, I have always loved it. That's why it's something that I've pursued, but it wasn't something that in my personal life, I was, you know, immersing myself in just because I had to do it so much already for work. And then as my, I, I did a, a career shift about like a year and a half ago, which is when my personal social media took off. That was because, you know, I was focused less in social media than in my nine to five. So I was like, Oh, like, I want to make sure I'm keeping this up. So let me do it on my own. And now, as I have, you know, been able to even say that, like, I'm an influencer, because, you know, since I started posting then, like, my video started going viral, and I started gaining a following. And so now that's kind of crazy that I'm even saying that. But as I've become an influencer, my relationship with social media is definitely has seriously changed even in that this year and a half, because as I first started, I was like, okay, like, this is like fun, this is exciting. And then especially where I started to, I immediately came in swinging, being like, bodybuilding sucks ass and bodybuilders all don't understand that they have eating disorders. <laughs> I like really started like coming on strong and yeah. I just got insane amount of hate. Like I got so much hate and I'm so used to someone just like being myself. Like I don't really give a shit, like unapologetically you, you know, but I felt for a while, like, Oh God, I'm, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want anyone to feel bad. I don't want like all these people saying these like spewing this vitriol like against me and and there were just some videos specifically dedicated to me that were like how we all hate her and so I was just like feeling so self-conscious about that even though I knew that my message although like obviously I took it took it a bit far sometimes but you know for the purpose of comedy um (laughs) I wanted to you know speak to the people who saw this kind of traumatic past that they had as kind of like you know we're getting past it we're laughing about it um I was just so nervous that it, it was something that was, I don't know. I just didn't want anyone to hate me. Cause I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but it's one of those things that like, I'm sure that you know it, but even like me on such a small scale, like I can say something and then I have people in my DMS, like, you know, attacking me for it. I'm like, this is my opinion. And if you don't like it, like, I'm sorry, yeah. but like, again, even on here, like I, I'm not even, I'm not licensed yet. So I'm not, I can't be on here. I can't be on my blog. I can't be on whatever giving people advice in the, in the sense that they're going to go take and use it. And it's going to work for them. Everything yeah. that I'm sharing and everything that you and I talk about or whoever else it may be, it's from my experiences, from my opinions, from the knowledge that I've gathered, but it's not medical advice. It's not factual evidence. It's, this is the way that I feel again for you, because you went through it. It's the way that you feel. It's the relationship that you develop because of what you went through. And you are never going to say something that's going to make every single person happy. 
Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like, I'm feeling Ever. so violated right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, thank you so much. Um, I needed this today. No, but I feel like I, I went through that period too, where I was so nervous and I didn't know what I was doing and no one around me knew what they were like. I don't have any influencer friends. Are you kidding me? Like, I, no one, no one told me like what to expect. Like, and all of a sudden I didn't expect to just like be viral and get all these followers. So then I definitely took like a little backseat from it. I was like, oh my gosh. And then my, I, I also realized my social media started like not becoming myself. Cause I was like, oh, now that I have followers, I have to post this way that other influencers do I have to be like other people and I you know I can't this can't just be my own personal platform anymore and then I started doing that and then I was like well this is stupid I don't like this and then I stopped posting for a minute because I was like I don't even like doing this like this isn't fun and then I remember one of my friends um like came to me who she she does work in the influencer space and I remember like one day too I was like oh maybe I should start like posting more like this and she literally looked at me and she was like Lee can you just do what you want you like like, this is your social media. Like, just do what you like. And I was like, what a profound thing to say. You're right. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't goddamn matter. And mm-hmm. I remember too, like, like feeling a little bit, like a little part of me too being like, oh my gosh, when I post Dara, like, is that going to like really impact my numbers? And then I'm like, probably. And who gives a shit? Like, you yeah. know, it's always like a little thought in your head, like, oh, I'm going to post um, this this thing, a thing I want to post today. It's like not something I typically post. Whatever, it's my social media. Like I like posting it. And so now too, since I've kind of shifted that headspace and I've been like, oh my gosh, like I just, this is my social media and everyone wants to be a part of my world and I get to share my world with everyone else. I felt so much more secure with it. I actually care a lot less to follow other people. I mean, I do follow other influencers. I do follow my friends and stuff, but I'm like not obsessively checking like, oh my God, what did they post today? Like, oh my God, I've got to be entrenched in their own world. And and that's not something like I'm so laser focused in on because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not like I need to emulate anyone else. I just need to like be myself and I can continue to be myself and getting like sucked up in like that social media space. I realized it was kind of a pattern, right? Cause that was the same negative thoughts that I had when I was in bodybuilding. Oh my gosh. I want to just be like these other influencer girlies. Like I want to be their BFF. Like I want to be exactly like them. And that's really like cool to have like those relationships and get to know someone. And obviously I feel like everyone that like I interact with is my friend, you know, like I, I want everyone to like, feel like that, but also I'm like, I, you know, you know, that at the end of the day, like it's social media and yeah, I don't need to like be obsessed with everyone that I'm following. And I don't need to like, I, I don't know if, if it's something that's so easily you can get sucked in on. And I'm like, yeah. nothing is that serious. I, th- I think I just took it too seriously. I was like, nothing anyone else posts that serious. Nothing that I posted that serious. It's all fun and games, you know, it's the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you and I are like in the same headspace though, too, because every question I like am thinking to ask you after that, you like cover it for me. So like, oh, thank you for that. Um, ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> did you start all of your stuff with Ari through all your social media stuff? Um, Ari was actually something that I had had my eye on before even I became an influencer. They This ambassador program that they had too, like I saw that a friend that I had known from like, so long ago she was an ambassador so it was always something that I had thought of but then as I started gaining a following and I was like okay like oh like I can work with brands like brands started reaching out to me and stuff so I was like oh like this is so cool and then I was like wait remember how like your friend like did this like oh maybe I could like look into working with them so they actually had an application you know to be an air ambassador so I ended up like filling it out and, and thinking about it in the time when their applications were open and I ended up getting the gig. And so that's how I've been able to be an area ambassador. And that's something that honestly, like 
probably is one of like the coolest things that I can say that I've been able to do and that I am doing just because I've always been such a brand fan. Like I always like my whole life I've just worn <laughs> so much American mm-hmm. Eagle and Airy. Um, and those have always been like my prime primarily like my workout fits and stuff. So it's been like really exciting that I get to be associated and rep a company that's not only like been my go-to like workout fits because they're so comfortable, but also because of their mission and what they stand for. Someone that was really, really important to me during my um, transition from bodybuilding to body acceptance um, was Iskra. And she, for the longest time was Aries, like leading spokesmodel. And I felt like for the first time ever, I saw a model who kind of looked like me and she had this like positive energy and this outlook and and just always being so excited about who she was and what her body could do for her. And I felt like I had never really seen that before. And so I so closely, closely associated her with the brand. And from then on, I just was such a brand fan. Like I, I always would tell everyone about it. So now that I'm actually like, oh, like I get to do it for realsies, you know, and then Brandon acknowledges me too. It's really yeah. cool. And the thing that you did the other day too, it was awesome. You look like you were having like the time of your life. That was oh such my a gosh. nice like thing. Yes. Ari came uh, to LA. LA. They're actually still here today uh, to do their wonder pop-up event and celebrate uh, their new spring launches and as well as just Airy in general. And so that was so fun to be able to go there. Like everyone could get their hair braided. You can like sign their wall and do all these little photo ops and stuff. And they had cotton candy. And then it was so cool just like having the Airy team there and getting to meet with so many people too that I had met over calls and getting to work with them in person was oh just like so 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 cool. <laughs> It's so funny too, because actually one of my best like shopping experiences I ever had was at American Eagle when it was like right when I had first started to kind of like gain weight. And I, I don't wear jeans. Like I never, I hate jeans. I'm like a leggings for life. I don't care if I was a fashion suit or not leggings or pants to me. Like I'm, I hate jeans. I've never been able to find, I always have thicker thighs. It's, you know, I have short legs. I have skinny ankles. I've never been able to find ones that I felt like actually mm-hmm. looked good on me and were comfortable and everything and the best experience I ever had was when enough people finally were like go to American Eagle I'm telling you you Literally. will find it for you mm-hmm. from American Eagle and I was like all right all right fine I went the people there were so nice and it was so nice to see all the different like you know for the the leg to hip ratio and the length mm-hmm. and the th- and I actually left and was like, oh my God, I'm happy about jeans. Like, right? I, yes. I left and I was like, me happy about jeans? That's when you know, like I had a good experience. Oh my gosh. Literally, that was my first experience. I remember going in and telling the sales associates like, oh my gosh, like I don't want jeans. I know I need to get jeans, but I, I don't want them. I don't. <laughs> Two of the kindest ladies helped me the whole day and pulled all this stuff for me. And I was trying them. And the first pair of jeans I bought were a pair of mom jeans, which yeah. are notorious for being the absolute worst for people <laughs> with any sort of curve, but they fit uh-huh. me perfectly like a glove and they had all the stretch in the right places. So, oh my gosh, I always recommend when people, you know, don't want to wear jeans or they're like, I don't even own jeans. I'm like, go to American Eagle. And now my second runner up of favorite place to get jeans if you need to switch it up a little bit is I have been a huge fan of the rebrand of Abercrombie. They have really, really done wonders for their brand in being a lot more size inclusive and also just accessible for people who have, you know, bodies that aren't straight, you know, like we got some curve, we got a a little lump to us, you know, and that's fine. Uh, We just need pants to fit us. All right, good. I'm going to look into that one next then because I need to, uh, I need to expand from leggings and like parachute pants and that kind of stuff. But yes. (laughs) Yeah. So Lee, 
because you are my first guest, um, mm -hmm. I do want to start something with the people that I have on. Um, I would like to ask you if you were able to kind of put out just a quick statement to the people that you feel like are going through the things that you've gone through, not as specific as going from bodybuilding to not, but just with eating disorders and just going from mm -hmm. learning to love yourself and accept yourself for who you are. What would be something that you would want people, if you could spew a message out into the world to just help people that are going through something like that, what would be something that you would want to say to those people? Oh, I have to say, this is a hefty question because also too, I know it's like different for everyone. And a lot of times I try to reply to all the DMs I get. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people come to me for this kind of advice and every person's situation is different. So a lot of times I have to tailor my advice, like specifically to whatever the person's situation is, mm -hmm. but something that is typically a, uh, overall message that I share with everyone. And it seems simple, but it, it can be easy to hear is always that tomorrow is a new day. And a lot of times, as we were saying earlier, you get stuck, stuck in this negative thinking pattern and you keep thinking these horrible negative thoughts and convincing yourself it's true. But a lot of times I found that I go to bed, I wake up the next day and, you know, sometimes I'm in a funk, sometimes I'm not feeling like, of course, a hundred percent, but I wake up and I'm like, Hey, like, I was really beating myself up yesterday. Like that, that's not actually how I feel like today. And, you know, actually today I'm not thinking all of those horrible negative thoughts. And so a lot of times too, I think, okay, in this minute, in this moment, I'm feeling like shit, but I could feel a lot better in this next moment. Like, let's see how it goes, you know, kind of like keep putting like one foot in the front of the other, practice those tools that, you know, and if you don't already know them, you know, get, get the resources that you need in order to start practicing those tools, learning them and really enforcing them in the moments that you need to, you know? And when you say, if you're going to avoid mirrors, do it. Okay. If you say that you're going to do that self-care activity, you know, it's going to make you feel better. Do it. Okay. Forcing yourself to expand outside of your comfort levels, keep putting a foot in front of the other and just knowing that, okay, the next moment could be a much better one, or at least not as bad as the moment before. <laughs> and that's all yeah. we're looking for. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being my first guest. I literally oh like, gosh, I thank said, you for having I said me. Before, like, I literally like, feel like I have to have somebody pinch me. Like you have no idea how much light and positivity that you bring. And I think it's something that when I think about the people that I want to see more of or be more like you are one of those people. So thank you for answering me and for, you know, coming on here with me, technical difficulties and all. Um, oh my goodness. I appreciate you a lot and everything that you put out there. Um, and I'm super excited to share this with everybody because I know they all need to hear it. Oh my gosh, that literally made my day. No, I've had such a wonderful time chatting today. This was such a fabulous experience. I'd say you are a wonderful interviewer. <laughs> like, this Thank is you. Really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a fabulous time and I so appreciate it. And your kind words, like they, that means the world to me. It's so crazy, honestly, for me to hear that. I know I said this like earlier, but I was like, I'm just a person. Like I, I sometimes it's hard for me to even think that like I would be someone that's like, you know, would be motivational or someone that you would like look up to in any sort of way. So honestly, like that means the world to me and I'm so appreciative and I had such a fabulous time today. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. hundred percent. You definitely do. <laughs> well, thank you. I can't wait to speak to you again soon. Yes. Sounds fabulous. Thank you so much for having me on.